All right. So we're going to get started. Hi, this is Robert, one half of the 12 Pound Podcast. Welcome to our 12 by 20 bonus series where we interview guests to discuss the changes and challenges they've faced and how they've learned from them. As a quick reminder, the 12 Pound Podcast discusses life's changes and how we hope to help you face them through shared stories and experiences. Before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, Maury's Piers. The season's almost over, but Maury's Piers, located on the boardwalk in Wildwood, New Jersey, is a classic seaside amusement park, family-owned and operated since 1969. If you haven't been to Maury's Piers, it's not too late. Visit them at Surfside Pier, featuring the Ocean Oasis Water Park and Beach Club at 25th Avenue, Mariner's Landing Pier, featuring Raging Waters Water Park at Scalander Avenue, and Adventure Pier at Spencer Avenue. I am very excited to welcome Guy Costin. Hi, Guy. How are Hi. you? Good. How are you? Guy Hi. is the founder and CEO of Dakota, where we are sitting today. We're in the studios. We do have some video. We don't normally have video, but we have video today. You have quite a setup here. Thanks. Yeah. The team does a great job. I feel like I'm on SportsCenter. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I do too. And it's, it's really great to be speaking with you. So thank you so much. So just a, a little background on Dakota. It was founded in 2006. It's a Philadelphia-based investment services company that provides a full suite of products, services, and technologies to help investment firms grow their businesses. And it has grown quite successfully over the last 16 years. And Guy is not a, just a CEO. He is also a published author. In 2019, he released his book, Millennials Are Not Aliens which you can find on Amazon and Audible. And you are also a husband and father to three. Yes. Kids and dogs. Kids and dogs. Kids and dogs. <laughs> so congratulations on all of your success. Thanks. It's really Thanks. nice to be here. And it's funny, although we've traveled in uh, the same circles over the last 20 years, being in institutional sales, uh, we met through a high school student visit. Yeah, that was really cool. Formally. Uh, Dakota and, and Guy and his team hosted Wildwood High School here at their offices. They actually visited these studios. And it was really amazing to me. You rolled out the red carpet for the students. Uh, you spoke to them, several members of your staff. And I left that thinking to myself, why? <laughs> so why is career development so important to you? It's, it's always been something for me. I just think that there's a lot of talented kids. And coming out of high school, or excuse me, coming out of college, they don't always get slotted in to a career that kind of makes sense for them where somebody has their back. It's always been our commitment because for me, got out of college in 20, at 22 and then it took me until I was 39 to really slide into my career. So 17 years of you know, doing a lot of different things and kind of making my way. And I always felt that if we could have it where you know, like a Tim Dolan, 2011, joins as an intern and we slot him right in, we give him the proper training, guidance, communication, the whole thing, mentorship, and then he's been super successful, but he didn't have to go down that winding road, if you will. He got slotted in day one within three years he was really doing well as a salesperson so we've always had that commitment uh, to helping young people get slotted in very quickly and it's just like it's you know li life's hard right and you, you really need somebody that can pull you in and say look I've made all these mistakes I'm going to slot you in and make sure that you're you know successful or that you're you know doing uh, doing well so who had your back um, I mean I've always had my you know my stepfather's an amazing guy that's always been you know looking after me and which has been really helpful and then at 39, I met Alan Breed at Edgewood, which is our main fundraising client. And he's such an extraordinary guy. And he's really the one that gave me the freedom to be able to grow the business and do things the way that we wanted to do them. As you probably can see, like Dakota, we're really, really un unconventional in our thinking and in our way of doing things. We, we don't break any laws, right? But we don't pay attention to any rules. And, you know, rules are, you know, sort of, for me, are made to be broken. And a lot of people, like no one would let us do an ESPN studio that we're sitting in right now. Yeah. Right? But it's the, it's the main marketing engine for our Dakota Marketplace database. And all the content that we create on this, 
in this um, studio goes into the product. But it's really counterintuitive, and every, no one would let you do that. But we just did it, and it's worked out very successful. That's really interesting because financial services is a rules-based industry. So it must be an interesting sales process to try to get financial services firms to think about your business in a way that is flexible. So let's not say rule-breaking, but flexible. Yeah, <clears throat> there's no doubt. I mean, I'm watching how the world has evolved. So I have two sons that play lacrosse at Penn State. And they have an amazing coach, right? And I'm even watching how college coaches today, are, you know, who are, might be in their 50s and 60s, are really having to adapt to this new reality of. So they're know, doing TikTok videos. <laughs> exactly. Well, just like <laughs> to how, show plays. Yeah, exactly. How are they dealing with name, image, likeness? You know, the NIL, right? And how they're managing that, and how that's affecting their culture, and just listening. I mean, it's, you know, Jay Wright. He stepped down, and I think one of the reasons he stepped down is that just the, the, the game's changed, and the kids changed. It's not the same anymore, and it's causing everybody to have to look more inward. And so, as we were just talking off show, when you look at the investment industry, it's really stayed. And when it comes to shooting video, which is a big part of the book, and it's a big part of the world today, whether it's TikTok or YouTube or what have you, it's, it's really, really important. And it's a really nice way to connect with people. But if you talk to most investment firms, they want to know what they're going to get on the test before they take the test. They want to know their grade, and that's impossible, right? You just need to shoot video that has value. And so there, there's, just been, there's just been a lot of change, and trying to adapt to that change, uh, is, it's not easy. And that, that's what we've been trying to do. Is that what you saw coming when you thought about writing your book, Millennials Are Not Aliens? I, I really wrote the book to try to promote a content platform that we created that was almost, once we wrote the book, we launched the content platform, it was almost dead on arrival, which was a real problem because <laughs> it was a big investment and that was June of 2018. Mm -hmm. So we had this big investment, we had this platform and we had 14 paying customers and we knew that we weren't be able to drive usage and it wasn't going to work, unfortunately. And so what we did is we said to those 14 paying customers in August, we said, look, we know you've paid. We want to make sure that you get value. So we're going to invite you to listen in to our weekly sales meeting of our investment sales team. So we did that and we choreographed it and we brought on an allocator, interviewed an allocator. We covered a city like Boston. If you're going to Boston, these are all the investors you want to meet with. And then we covered a key account. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these key accounts like Cambridge Associates, who's a consultant, or J.P. Morgan Private Bank are mm -hmm. huge labyrinths, that, and we break them down. We talked about searches, new RAs. So bottom line is they loved it. They absolutely loved it. And then we did it the next week at 11 o'clock on Friday. And then the next, just everyone loved it. More people signed up. Then people are like, look, I want to pay to be on the call not on your content platform. <laughs> and then they go, then they go, okay, but now we want all the names, numbers, and email addresses of all those people you talk about on your call. Like, wait, that's our database. We're not going to sell you access to that. Well, we made the decision to sell access to that. Now we have 595 investment firms and 2,100 salespeople signed up to our database, which is really a, it's an essential service for a fundraiser. Like a fundraiser's need, you know, qualified leads. They need accurate data. So that's, that's how, and that's how, why, that's why we're in the studio. So Dakota Live, this is really the stadium, if you will, for that call that really came out of desperation, right? It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And how about the writing process? What was that like? I'm, I'm sure as a salesperson, you've had to do a lot of writing as you're convincing investors or potential clients to, to buy your services. Did, did it feel like changing gears? Yeah, I had a ghostwriter, so they, they helped me. But then getting into your own voice was, you know, was hard. And then I had a good friend's brother, Perry O'Grady, who's a great writer. We kind of edited the whole thing. And then and Perry was really good at that. And we really got it into my voice. And it's just really just having the discipline to go about it on a consistent basis. Because yeah. most of the time you start and then you get writer's block or you get scared. It's going to be out there. And then eventually you just have to hit send and send it out and get it done. 
What is it like to develop the careers of millennials? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a big responsibility, and I, we take it very, very seriously. Um, and it's, it's actually gone extremely well. But in the beginning, it didn't go very well. And we were, I was doing the development, like I sa- as I say, by mind reading. Mm-hmm. So I'd just be like, just can't you look at what I do? And I realized you really have to document everything. And then it has to be very consistent. And then you have to repeat it over and over and over and over again. Um, and if you do that, people stay on the same page. And so it's been a blast. But it's all, it's all about process to me and the process and following the process. Having listened to the book, it's trying to manage instant gratification, particularly as we're all being bombarded with likes and followers and you know, these very quick responses to what we're putting out there. And asset management, which is the industry that you are an expert in, moves very slowly. Yeah. And, you know, the average, I think the average institutional sales cycle now is nearly two and a half years. Yep. So how do you manage a like in two and a half seconds relative to a two and a half year sales cycle? It's really the, the way we've done it is <clears throat> we established what are the things that you can control. Hmm. So it's focus on what you can control. That's our whole mantra for the company. Only focus on what you can control. You can't control the stock market. We can't control who picks what stocks. We can't control any of that, but we can, we can control how we spend our time. And so if they're spending their time on the right activities, then we celebrate that. And so we're not even celebrating the wins. At the end of the day, we're celebrating the activities that eventually lead to the wins. So you found your career a little later in life. Sometimes we glance over that 17 years. What was that 17 years like for you? Yeah, for me, it was just a, you know, a ridiculous amount of ups and downs. It was four years in real estate in Philly. Then it was five years of real estate in San Francisco doing all the Starbucks coffee leases, which was a lot of fun because mm. <clears throat> Northern California is a very dynamic geography. So that was a, that was a total blast. Mm. Then, then I moved to Chicago and worked in real estate there, but that got me into the fundraising world and then moved back to Philly, back in the fundraising world. And then for a couple of firms in Philly and New York. And so it was kind of just finding my way in the fundraising world. And then we did a brand new business in 2005 I left my job, and two months in, it was dead on arrival. And uh, so, luckily, this guy hired me. And while I was at that firm, I came up with an idea for an investment product. I pitched the firm on it. The CEO said yes. The management committee said no. Then they said, we're going to fire you. So they fired me. So <laughs> then, and that was this, like May of 2006. And then what, I, was that, what was that day like? You know, I just, what I did is I called the firm that we were going to do the product with, and mm-hmm. I said, look, they don't want to do it. You want to do it with us? And uh, they said, sure. So, and then my boss ended up leaving and be, we became partners and then we started the business in the fall of 06. And uh, yeah, and I had three kids in basically private school paying for it all and doing, taking huge entrepreneurial risks. So yeah, that, that 12 to 18 month period starting that was, I'd say up until Ju- July 25th of 2007 was when we got to our first close of the real estate fund of funds business. It was obscenely, obscenely stressful. And, uh, but then we knew once we got, the, got to that close, we'd have guaranteed revenue for like 10 years. So that was, that was tough. <laughs> Our podcast talks a lot about stress and anxiety, uh, you know, how people manage it in today's world. How do you manage it? I mean, you're still very busy. I know it's not as stressful as that 18-month period. But how, what's, your, what's your typical day look like? Yeah, I mean, right, you know, right now we're getting this database business to break even, which is we're really, really close there. And so it's funny managing the stress. Uh, I would say my mom's... My mom was an entrepreneur, decorator, and she just basically always said, look, if you're fearful, just get into action. And so that's how I manage it, is just if we're staying in action and we're doing the things that matter and serving our customers, good things happen. Mm-hmm. But if you sit there and worry, like right now, we're in a you know, terrible, terrible stock market environment and terrible macro environment, just all this craziness that COVID created. And so, but if you just stay in action and serve and provide value, 
that's really how I manage outside of just trying to exercise on the Peloton or going for walks and lifting weights. Stuff what like time that. do you wake up in the morning? Typically like five, five thirty. Okay, you're an early riser. Yeah. What time do you go to bed? <laughs> Probably like nine, nine thirty. We uh, interviewed a rower two weeks ago. She wakes up at five oh six. And if she doesn't wake up at 5.06, it's, it's not a good day on the water. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Everybody's funny. Everybody has their health plans. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about that last week as well with an area chiropractor. When you're asked, what's your health plan? Uh, 95% of people say Aetna or Cigna. <laughs> or nobody says, well, my health plan is to you know, make sure I wake up at 5 and go for a run and I do this. So it's, uh, it's become a running theme in this podcast, oh, you know, just trying to figure out how people manage their days, especially people who are busy and, and, you know, and, and managing ups and downs, whether it's a, a day at work or something a little bit larger, like going through a big career change. Yeah. I, I remember when we were here with the high school students, you stressed um, reading that, you know, books and really trying to stay abreast of what you're interested in. What, what are you most interested in outside of, outside of work? What keeps you, what keeps yeah. you motivated, inspired? <clears throat> well, it's been, let's see, we started this new startup, right? So I'm 55 now when I was 52 and making sure we keep it on track and we keep growing. I mean, that's really the, I, I, would, I would say that's been much more my mission if, if it was kind of through 08 to 2016, it was probably a little bit more golf, a little more entertaining, stuff like that. Um, Cause we just had a sales business. Now we have 50 people just in the software business and growing and 600, you know, roughly 600 clients. And so really my day-to-day is much more just focused on making sure we keep our eye on the ball and that we're doing certain things. So for instance, one thing that keeps us sane is our software sales team has a 745 check-in every day. So five days a week and then a five o'clock check-in. So it's almost like pre-game. Then you play the game from, you know, eight to five mm-hmm. and then what had the game go right at five o'clock. So that's 10 sales meetings a week just to check in. But everybody is held massively accountable. So you don't, there's not a lot of agita. There's no yelling and screaming. There's no, hey, why are you doing it this way? Everyone has to be accountable. So it actually creates a very a high sense of calm. We have an all-company check-in at 8.30, five days a week. So the entire company kind of knows what's going on, what clients are saying about the products, you know, just anything that's going on. So I did this before COVID, and it's clearly I, – I know we're kind of – uh, cheating on this one because and the reason I say that is people when I say that to people and the guy this guy said it yesterday when I told him the 745 and the 5 just what the other guy said he goes oh you must be Mr. Popular you know <laughs> and I'm like bud you, like, you really don't understand how important it is to be in communication making sure we're on track like today and then we have an 815 data check in because hmm. we have a database business I'm hearing from all the data team what they're spending their time on that day and by doing that right but today something got off track we were able to spend 10 minutes and get it back on track right if we didn't do that it could have gone on day after day after day and the next thing you know it's a month later i'm like hey where do we stand on this project because it's only a monthly meeting which most companies have and for 29 days they've been off track they've also been in the dark so a lot of groups don't know what other groups are doing so you're giving it sounds like to me you're giving going back to generations if millennials and, and younger generations feel like they need to know on a regular basis it sounds like you're giving them what they need to know across the company. So it no may doubt. be working in different ways as well. That's great. That sounds so interesting. But sales has been the thread. Yes. So what makes a good salesperson? <laughs> uh, a good sales process. That's <laughs> the only thing that matters. Um, and then it's defining your sales process and defining what works. And most salespeople, sales is an emotional game. There's a lot of, re- lot of rejection. Send emails, they don't re- no one responds. Try to schedule a meeting, no one responds. So what we've always tried to do is celebrate the steps up to the sale. And if you're just taking those steps and then upper management is supporting you in that way and making you feel good every day about what you're doing and then tracking that, 
and then making it a competition, right? Uh, what makes a good salesperson? Somebody generally who's been in uh, sports because they've had to deal with right, being competitive, being yelled at by their coaches, rejection, losing, winning. Like you, and that's really what sales is all about. Are there any actors running around here? <laughs> <laughs> Auditions. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, it's really a it, it's sales process. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank Great. you so much for your time. Uh, for those of us, because we've, as we said before, we've been in asset management for a while. So for those of you who are on the institutional business development side or on the business management side, and you're trying to grow your business, grow your product, please check out Dakota. Uh, their website is? Dakota.com. Very easy. <laughs> and our website is 12poundpodcast.com. So if you want to find this episode or prior episodes, please check us out. Uh, you can also find us for one more weekend up on the boardwalk at Maury's Piers. So your kids are in college, so I don't know if they're riding the roller coaster. <laughs> exactly. But if your kids do ride the roller coaster, they are still open, and it is beautiful. The humidity is gone. Skies are blue. It's a beautiful fall day today. And thank you for hosting me and taking time to speak with me today, Guy. Well, thanks for having me. It was great. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye.